all the time. All right, take your Bibles, if you will, turn with me to John chapter 2. The Gospel according to John chapter 2. We have been studying the life of Jesus in the Gospel of John, and we have gotten now to where we will we'll finish chapter 2 today. The title of the message this morning is, My Father's House. And the, the, the scripture that we're studying is about Jesus coming into the temple and cleansing the temple. And tonight, uh, today, while we're looking at this, we're going to see three things, I think, that, that will help us to understand how we are to be living our life in the, in the fashion that Jesus would want us to. Now, last week we talked about and we studied the, the account of where Jesus turned the water into wine at the wedding in Cana. Now, we talked about how Jesus can take the contents of a dirty wash pot and make it the absolute best to drink. God can take anything, no matter how filthy, dirty, sinful, and make it pleasing in His sight by His power. But we must submit ourselves to Him. So this morning, as we begin, we're going to begin in verse 13, and we're going to read through verse 25 together, and discuss my father's house. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves, and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews says, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them. And they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. This morning we're going to be talking about my father's house. So let's pray together this morning. Lord, as we do gather together in this building, we call it the church. But Father, we are the church. This is the building in which the church meets. And Lord, we want to honor you in this, what we consider your house. So Lord, help us to understand what you would show us this morning by your Spirit enlightening us. Have us to be open to your word. Have us to be willing to be obedient to what you desire in our life. We're here to praise you, Lord. We thank you for all that you do for us and ask for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. 
my father's house. These words come to mind. They bring up other images in my mind whenever I'm thinking about the scriptures because remember when Jesus was 12 years old, his family took a trip to Jerusalem and they were there for the same feast, the Passover. And after his family had left, Jesus had stayed behind. He was in the temple talking to the priests, the teachers of the law. His family had traveled one day and they turned around and came back and, and sought him. And it says they found him in the temple. And he says, didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? So they found him in the father's house doing the father's business. And whenever I read this passage of scripture and beginning to study, I, that story came to mind, that episode in Jesus' life, and he was saying, that's my father's house, and I must be there taking care of his business. So as we begin studying this passage of Scripture, we see that Jesus was going to Jerusalem for the Passover. In verse 13, it says that he went up to Jerusalem. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, so he was going up there. And then it says he found in the temple... Those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. So the first thing that I want to talk to you about is the church's business. Now, whenever they were there, they were inside the temple complex and they had all of these animals gathered up there and they, they had money changers. In other words, if you had money of a, a different uh, country or, or something like that, you had to change it into the right money and, and they had the, the, those that were in charge there had a money-making business going on right there in the temple because they were in charge of accepting the sacrifices. So if the sacrifices didn't meet their standards, they would say, that's not a good enough lamb. You must buy a lamb from us whom we've already pre-approved, and they could set whatever price they wanted on it. So they were making money off of the people coming in to worship God. And those who were changing the money, of course, there would be some sort of tax or some sort of fee for changing the money out. And whatever it was, they were making, as Jesus said, my father's house, a house of merchandise. It was a way of somebody to make money, to, to make a living. So for them... It was just business as usual. There was no worship taking place. There was no uh, praising God. There was no blessing. There was, there was none of those things. All it was for them was a business. Just going through the motions and having all of these things done so that they could take money from those who had no other option. Now, the parallel passages of Scripture that talk about Jesus cleansing the temple are in Mark chapter 11, Matthew chapter 21, and Luke chapter 19. And you can go back and read those and look at them. They basically say similar things, very much the same. Uh, there may be a different way that it puts it in one of the other Gospels. But Jesus went in there and he broke it up. He says, this is not what the temple is for. The church is not for business. The temple, Jesus says, my father's house is a place of worship, not a place for merchandise, not a place for all the things of the world, but the things of God. So, Jesus went in there, and he took a very deliberate action. 
What it says there is when he found them there, he made a whip of cords. Now, I, whenever I think of a whip, I'm thinking of a cow whip, one of those long, I don't know if that's even what you call it, but a whip that pops and snaps. But that's not exactly what Jesus had. He, what he got is a couple of different ropes, and he just made something to sling and hit things with. You know how it is when you're driving cows. You can pick up a stick and hit them, and you know, they'll keep moving. And that's similar to what Jesus was doing. Whatever was handy, he grabbed it so that he could use it to clear out the temple. And that's exactly what he was doing. Made a whip of cords. He drove them all out of the temple. Now think about that for a moment. In the court of the Gentiles, there was this big open area. And then... Past that, there was another area inside the, the temple. So, Jesus says, you're not accomplishing the purpose of God's house when you're doing all these things. You are distracted from worship. If you're worried about making money, because somebody's got to get those sheep and cows and all those things in there, those doves, somebody's got to be bringing them in. Somebody's got to be sacrificing them, and somebody's got to be replacing those that, that, you know, carrying them out. to All of those things had to be taken care of. It, it had become just a logistical thing, just a mechanical way of carrying on business. And, you know, when things become mechanical like that, it's easy to get distracted by the, the heretofores and their, their widths and all of those things and, and you forget why you're really there. What's the purpose of going to the temple? It was to praise God. It was to worship Him. It was to ask for His forgiveness. It was to seek to be pleasing unto Him, and yet it had become just basically putting one foot in front of the other and going through the motions and saying, you know, this is what it's become, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to follow along with the crowd. And Jesus says, no, that's not, that's not it. You guys have missed it. Did you know that they could travel all the way to the temple from wherever they were, offer sacrifices and all those things, and still miss an encounter with God? Do you also realize that we can get up and get dressed in the morning, take our showers and shave and all those things, and come to the house of God and miss Him? We can miss God when we uh, allow it to become just routine or mechanical or just what we do on Sundays. We can't afford for this, our worship gathering, to become business-like or mechanical or routine. So let me ask you this. The church... What is our business? It's not the budget, I promise you. God has taken care of that wonderfully. It's not about just the fellowship and, and, and making connections and, and seeing people and all those things. You see, this is our opportunity. Now, we're going to do that, but this is our opportunity to meet God. We set aside a time. Now, we can meet God everywhere else that we want to, but this is a time that we set aside specifically for that. The church's business is to worship God Almighty. 
So when we come here together, we praise the Lord through hymns and through songs, and we seek His face, we seek to be pleasing unto Him, we open up His Word and, and desire to meet with Him through His Word. And if we miss that, if we miss the opportunity to worship Him here, you better believe we're going to miss the opportunity out there to worship Him. What is our business? I'm sure you've heard the story of the, the church that closed its doors. And someone hung a sign on the front doors and says, Out of business. Forgot what our business was. So what is the business of the church? Let me tell you what Jesus said his business was. The reason that he came, he said, was to seek and to save that which was lost. When Jesus' mission is that, what is the mission of the church? The same. To seek and to save those which were lost. Now, we can't save anybody, but we can introduce them to the one who can. We should be the, the, the light going out into the dark world. We should be the witnesses that Jesus sends out to tell people where the light is and where the love is and where hope is. That's the business of the church. And when we forget that business, we might as well close the doors. If it's just about the budget, if it's just about having meetings and just about going through Wednesday night and Sunday night, and we're just logistically keeping going, then we've missed the whole point. We've missed God altogether. And we might as well be selling sheep and doves and offering sacrifices that mean nothing. Jesus said, take these things away. Take them away. Do not make my Father's house a house of merchandise. In the other passages of Scripture that talk about this, He said, my Father's house is a house of prayer. But you've made it a business. There was a, a king in the Old Testament who sought to revitalize the temple. The temple at, at that time had become uh, disregarded. And as a matter of fact, it had become a trash heap, a dump, where they would take their stuff and just throw it in there. And they did that on purpose because they were defying God. And he said, as he began his reformations and seeking the Lord, he says, we've got to do some things here. We've got to change some things. First of all, we've got to sanctify ourselves. We've got to purify ourselves and get ourselves ready to worship God. Then we've got to cleanse the temple. We've got to make it ready for our worship time. And then he says, we've got to haul all of this junk out of here. So it starts internally. So when we're thinking about the business of the church, it starts internally with each of us. We've got to stop and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? How can I get ready to do that? How is it that I can be of service to you? And then when we collectively come together with that mindset, we come to the church and ask, ask God, what is it that you want our church to do collectively? We're seeking to be obedient personally, but how can we be obedient corporately? And then when we see what that is, we take all the other stuff out of the way. We remove the junk that keeps us from being obedient to God.
Have you ever heard anybody say that there's church junk? There's a lot of things that the churches do, or, or churches all over the place, that are just junk. They're not really what God would have them to do. They're just going through the motions of what they want to do and calling it spiritual. But God says, all that stuff's junk, get it out of here. Jesus was talking about all those that were buying and selling, and he says, take these things away. Don't make the church a business. Don't make the meeting place where we come to worship God mundane, business-like, routine. We come here because, like it says in verse 17, zeal for your house has eaten us up. We, I love to come to the house of the Lord because it's where I get together with you guys and worship Him. And that's what it's all about. We should have that zeal. We should want that. We should desire to be together in God's presence with one another, worshiping Him. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. So they attributed that to Jesus as a messianic prophecy. And that's where we go next. Read with me verses 18 through 22. So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of, he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Jesus gives here a resurrection prophecy. He's prophesying. You see, those that were standing there, they heard he's going to build the temple, and their mind was on the surroundings, and, and they saw, well, how is he going to do that? Because it took 46 years to build it. How is he going to tear it down and then build it back up in just three days? But you see, later on, or maybe even immediately, they realized what he was talking about. Because when you go back into the scriptures after Jesus was crucified and they had him buried, you know what the Pharisees, Sadducees, the, the religious leaders, you know what they said to Pilate? Hey, we've got to guard the tomb because he said he was coming back on the third day. We need to seal it up. They knew exactly what he was talking about. Or either it came to them after this, but he said, I'm going to rebuild this temple in three days. And then they, they realized he was talking about his body, his life. In this resurrection prophecy, Jesus goes in and he clears out all the, the prophet of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Jews. And then they come to him and says, hey, by what authority are you doing these things? You need to show us a sign to show us that you have the authority to do this. They knew they were wrong, by the way. But that's what they had gotten used to doing. That was just their tradition. That they had gotten in the, the mindset of, this is how we take care of this business. And Jesus says, no, that's not it. You've missed it all together. 
And they says, okay, well, if you're telling us that, then you show us a sign proving that you are who you say you are so that you have the authority to do that. You see what they were doing? They were commanding Jesus to perform on command. They, they were telling him, all right, you're doing this, show us something. And Jesus said, no, that ain't how it goes. You don't go before God and say, God, if you don't do this, then I'm not going to believe in you. That's not how it works. That's not who God is. Now, God can do that if He desires to do that. If that's His will, He will do it. But for you to tell God that He's got to do something for you, that puts us a little bit out of place. You see, that kind of puts us on the throne and then God being our slave instead of the other way around. So now, Jesus was telling them he told them, or after he cleansed the temple, they asked him, you've got to do a sign. He says, oh, no. They says, well, what sign will you show us? He says, I will destroy this temple and rebuild it in three days. Their mind automatically went to the physical, and they, and, uh, but they, later on, he was speaking about his body, and the disciples realized it. And the Pharisees and Sadducees realized it. You know, he was foretelling of the victory over death. That was also part of his mission. He says, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. The saving of the lost is literally taking us from this world, taking us from this sinful existence that we are in, and transferring us into the kingdom of Almighty God. In that, he had to defeat death. Because the scripture tells us the wages of sin is death. And when Jesus defeats death by taking the wages of our sin upon himself, then he takes death, the cost of death, away from us. The punishment, the penalty of death. See, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees misunderstood his mission. They misunderstood what the Messiah was supposed to do. They knew he was going to come back and rule and reign over the country. But they had said, well, he, since Rome is our bosses right now, he's going to come and take care of them and we're going to serve him. So they expected him to be a political leader or a ruler in that fashion. But no, Jesus came to take away the sin that causes death in this life. He came to save us spiritually the first time. And what he did when he saved us spiritually, he also saved us physically. So I praise the Lord in that as Jesus is misunderstood by the religious leaders. Paul goes on later in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and says, Oh death, where's your sting? Oh death, where's your victory? And then at the end of that passage of scripture he says, It's by God through Jesus Christ. That's our hope. When we think about the sign that they ask for, and Jesus says, the sign that I will give you, or that I will come back from the dead three days later, if that's not enough to prove his deity to you, then what sign would? He prophesied his death, burial, and resurrection. He also prophesied his 
returning again one day to receive us unto himself. So now, we've talked about the business of the church. We've talked about the prophecy. Let's go into verse 23 through 25 and, and talk about the proof of his authority. The proof of authority. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. You see, those who were paying attention saw Jesus' miracles, they heard His words, they were listening to Him, and they knew who He was. They didn't have to ask for a sign because He was performing them all around, all the time, and speaking to them the words of God. So the religious leaders that came and said, you've got to do one now, do one here, whenever we tell you to. And, but Jesus had been doing them all along, and they didn't believe it. Jesus was still doing them, and they wouldn't believe it. Because their hearts were cold. And as Jesus says, their father was the father of lies, the evil one. And they would not believe. So Jesus kept preaching and teaching, and many people were believing in the word of Jesus, and, what, and when they saw him do the miracles that he did, it was proof. Did they need to see him die, be buried and resurrected on the third day? No. They would later on. But they accepted his testimony, his teaching, and the signs that he was doing at the time. And it says, but Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man for he knew what was in man Jesus did not come into this world not knowing that what he was going to be facing because he's the creator he created us and in the beginning he knew what was in us he gave us free will and he knew what we were capable of on the the obedience side, but also on the disobedience side. And the scripture says at the time of Noah that God saw that the wickedness of men was great and that the, every intent of their heart was evil and wicked. God knows us. God knows man. Jesus didn't need anybody to tell him how bad people were because he knew. The Old Testament, the prophet says, there's none righteous, no, not one. That's repeated in the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 10, where that passage is quoted. You see, we, we know that we are not good, but we also know that He is. And because He accomplished His purpose in coming to seek and to save that which was lost, dying for us, we can have His righteousness... He's paid for our unrighteousness and caused us to be able to be pleasing unto God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And God demonstrated His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that if we will confess with our mouth and believe with our heart, 
that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved. You see, it's easy to come to God's house and miss an encounter with God. But if we do, it's because we missed God, not because He missed us, because He's here. His Spirit is here. His Son, who died for us on the cross, wants us to understand what He did and accept Him for who He is so that we can receive what He's got for us. So today, we are, we're gathered in God's house. Are we too worried about business of the church or otherwise? Are we ready to understand that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords? And are we ready to give ourselves to Him? Because He's the master of it all. He's the reason that this building is here. He is the reason that we are here. Because without our time of worship, we might as well be a fishing club or a hunting club because it's of no eternal value when we miss God. When we come to God's house, we need to seek Him. How about today, seeking Him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Because right now, He desires our obedience so that we can accomplish his mission to seek and to save that which is lost. Pray with me, please. God, you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And we thank you for how you have provided for us today so wonderfully. A dry place, warm place, comfortable place for us to gather together and lift up your name praise you and father also so many other things that you have given us that we don't realize blessing after blessing but father thank you today for reminding us that our time together in your house is not just what we have to do but father it's what we get to do being in your presence worshiping you Thank you, Father, for gathering us here together in this way today. I pray for your will to be done in your church and in every individual that is sitting here today. May you have your way with us. Accomplish your will, your purpose through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand.